Hey everybody, welcome to Thumbnail, a visual arts podcast. I'm Joe Roshert, illustrator, animator, and adjunct professor. And I'm Louis Rosignol, visual artist. And on today's quarantine episode, we're going to be talking about pricing your work, which is something that all artists deal with and struggle with, I would imagine, at least in the beginning, trying to figure out yeah, it's tough where to even start. And I did some research yesterday, kind of looking at different artists and pricing, and it feels like almost all artists are either underpricing their work or overpricing. Hmm. To me, I was on TikTok and there's a guy on there that has 700,000 followers and he gets so many comments on his work that people love his work and are asking if he'll do like a custom piece for them. He replies to their comments and they're like, how much for a custom piece? And he's like 100 to 200 bucks. And I'm thinking like, he's so underpriced. He has so many people following him and he's charging 100 to 200 dollars for a custom piece. And so I think there's definitely people that are way undervaluing their work and then on the other end overvaluing so where do you even start when you got out of school and you started figuring out how you're going to price and before we even get into that we should say that we're going to talk about pricing on custom commissioned illustration work i'm assuming too right yes assuming kind of everything yeah okay or every different thing we could kind of try to touch yeah so like custom work commissioned work with clients just selling originals and then selling prints these are all things that artists have to figure out so when you first got out of school and you were like ready to start figuring out pricing where did you begin i knew i was hitting more commercial based clients different size clients for different things and everything has a different price range and the best way to think about selling illustrations at least most of the time you're not selling the illustration you're leasing the illustration right and so you're leasing usage rights and based on how many things they want to use your illustration on or how wide of a scope or how big the client or how many people are going to see it what is it being used for that all factors into pricing in some way and so the best resource you could possibly have for me was the graphic artist guild handbook uh, pricing and ethical guidelines and it's a great book where you could at least get a starting knowledge for a lot of different areas in the commercial field from editorials to animations commercials large clients small clients and they kind of price it all out based on an average national and separate prices out based on color or size or size of the client or reach or if they want to buy full rights. And so it lays everything out very easily. And that was probably the best resource that I could have ever asked for. I still use to this day to get a sense of what things are going for and where I might fall in that range. We're talking like illustration work, which is someone's hiring you to do an illustration that's going to go in a magazine or maybe multiple illustrations that are going to go in a book or fill out an entire book, a children's book, an advertisement. There's so many different types of illustration that that book covers. And the cool thing is it doesn't just say like, okay, so for a full page magazine illustration, this is what you should charge. It takes into account how widely circulated is that magazine? Are they a national magazine, an international magazine, or are they just like a local? They're not all going to have the same budget. Right. Main magazine is not going to have the same budget as USA Today. And so you have to take those things into account. I think that the cool thing about that book too is that most professional illustrators and graphic designers have a copy of that book. Maybe they're recommended it in school. And so because of that, and if you're using that guide for pricing your work, it puts almost everybody on the same page and it almost becomes like a union where, you know, there's not too many people that are undercutting you because hopefully if everyone prices accordingly, then people are 
able to choose illustrators based on their style rather than their price. Exactly. And you think about who's probably hiring you and art directors are usually top of that list. They tend to be familiar with industry prices. So when they come to you to ask for quotes and stuff, they're also looking at that. And if you're way underballing yourself, they could tell like, well, one, are they going to take advantage of that? Or two, are you that inexperienced? Is that a red flag for them? Yeah. And so I think it's really important to get in, in the range and at least start negotiations. I think one problem with that book is that book has been circulated and it gets updated obviously all the time. Yeah. But the prices haven't really changed that much, unfortunately, over the last 30 years or whatever. But the problem with that book is it comes from a time period when there was so much less competition. So in other words, what I mean is there were national magazines and, and international magazines, like I had already said. But nowadays, so many people have these tiny little businesses that they're starting and they want to hire an illustrator maybe to do their logo or to do custom illustration for them. And they don't have the budget that any of these people in that book would have had because they're just so small. And so I know I get messaged all the time from people that are looking for custom work for an album cover or for things like that. Prices in that book they couldn't afford because they're just like some solo person that's trying to start their own t-shirt company or, you know, or whatever. And that's where it's your prerogative to choose whether or not you're going to take that client on or not. And I think it is important to still spread the word on what is the fair market rate because a lot of people they just don't know how much art costs and so yeah. just to give them a little bit of education around that and then you have to decide how to negotiate from there if you're someone in that boat that you're trying to hire an artist to do something for your very very small business that's like a startup you might have to target artists that are in the same boat where they're just starting up because maybe that's the artist you can afford you may not be able to afford an established artist so you have to take that into account or from the very beginning when you're defining a budget for your business that you're starting, I think it's important to actually put more money than you think into your brand development and your creative because that's going to help you launch quickly or, or not. So it's sometimes good for non-creatives who are starting businesses to understand how important that is. Right. Like what they don't understand maybe is the reason that these bigger businesses have succeeded is because they did spend the money to do it. Unfortunately, it takes money to make money, right? Yeah. And so to start a business with zero budget is just really hard. Hard. Right. That book is a good starting point, you'd say? I'd say the best starting point. Yeah, it's like 45, 50 bucks. It's a big yeah. book. And it doesn't just have pricing. It has other things like how to make contracts and other legal kind of stuff. It's jam-packed. If you're serious about being a professional artist, I say snag one, snag a copy. Depending on what type of artist you're trying to be, if you're trying to do illustration work or graphic design, that book is invaluable. You need it, basically. The book is called The Graphic Artist Guild Handbook Pricing and ethical guidelines right they're on the i think the newest one is the 15th edition it's an entire business book it covers everything from pricing to making contracts and dealing with clients in the most professional way if you go to art school they kind of teach you that type of stuff in some ways but even then the book comes in handy but if you never went to art school and you're trying to do it you pretty much need that book because you need that insider information to be able to succeed i would think so how would you price work that's not part of a commercial realm that wouldn't be found in this book so we're thinking actual art pieces, custom pieces, prints. So we'll want to do commission work yeah, sure. that's not commercial. Okay. Sure. That's probably a really good chunk of what I do. And the first thing I always get is people messaging me like, how much for a commission? 
They don't tell me the size or anything as if I just have the set price and they can get any size for that one price or whatever. But the fact of the matter is there's so much that goes into it and almost all artists do it differently. Some do kind of a formula where they take into account how many hours it took them to make it times the hourly rate that they want to get and then cost of materials framing yeah. on top of it. And then they usually double the cost of materials or double the framing cost. So they make a little on that. That's a good way to do it if you're just starting out because it gives you like a formula to <laughs> work with and it makes it simple and I think you want to have like some type of a pricing formula that is easy to understand for clients I guess for custom work it's a little different I'm thinking more original work but I think you're right like as simple as you can get and to get the point across the better yeah so I'm not sure what's your system I should ask you my system is a square inch type system so yeah I tell them it's this much per square inch what I found is a lot of people will see that and it seems cheap if you say like for instance five dollars a square inch is what I'll charge so that doesn't sound that much until you actually multiply out. Okay, we got 10 inches times 10 inches times five. It's $500. And 10 inches by 10 inches isn't even that big. Mm -hmm. So it can add up quick. I don't like to do the hourly one because I work pretty mm -hmm. quick. And so an hourly formula doesn't make sense. Right. And you shouldn't be penalized and sell your art for less just because your art style is a quicker style. Right, because then your hourly becomes kind of crazy. So if you could do that 10 by 10 piece in an hour, let's say, mm -hmm. then your rate is essentially $500 an hour. And when you say that, it has a lot of negative connotations to it. Who the hell do you think you are charging that? Yeah. That's why I usually don't charge hourly myself, but sometimes it comes down to that and people need to know how much it's going to cost for like extra revisions and stuff like that. And I don't know how many revisions there are going to be. And so I can't even predict the scope of the work. So then I do have to give an hourly rate. And so yeah. it's between $100 and $200 an hour, depending on what the job is. It's definitely dependent. So I said $5 a square inch a few minutes ago. That's not my rate. I was just using an example. But I also never, ever put my rate out there. I don't have it on my website. Sometimes yeah, I'll get comments on social media like, how much for a custom? What's your rate? And I'll say, DM me. Because I... I like to leave it open also so that if they DM me, I'll say, what are you looking for? And if they send me, oh, I'm looking to get you to do like a portrait of my wife in a wedding dress or something like that I just don't want to do, I'm going to charge a lot more for that because I don't want to do it. And if they happen to want to pay that huge price, then okay, I will do it for that. So I like to leave it kind of open-ended in yeah. that way, whereas I need to know what they want. I generally do have a set rate that I use and 90% of the time, that's what I tell people is the same rate, but I have got jobs that on both ends jobs where I just want this job so bad that I'm willing to take a little bit less money right if that's what it comes down to and on the other end jobs that I just did not want so bad that I just gave them a ridiculous rate yeah and usually that scares people off occasionally I've gotten jobs that I've done that yeah same and I hated doing them but at the same time it was well exactly. worth it exactly yeah you have to make it a price that's worth it to you totally agree with that you don't want to resent your clients right right if it's a job you hate doing and you charge them the same you charge everyone else you're just going to sit there and work on it and just seethe and just be so mad that you're doing this piece. So you have to take those things into account. Right. So commissioned work, it's all about finding a formula that works. Another couple quick tips that I've been given in the past too is do some market research of what similar pieces are going for right. online or in your area at galleries to see what people are actually buying and for how much. And then sometimes that will decide what your prices are going to be. 
for your pieces and then also decide how much time you're spending on the piece, how much material you're spending on the piece, all those other factors to get into the correct price point. You have to take into account like the market value, what other people are charging, because you can't be over everyone else. You're not going to get any work. If you're way under everyone else, you're going to get maybe too much work and you're going to be just worked to death for hardly any money. So you kind of have to figure that out. And when you're looking at other artists, don't just take into account, okay, this artist has got a similar style to me and they're charging this. Have they been professional artists for 30 years and you're just starting out? Then you're probably not going to be able to charge the same amount that they charge, right? So you have to take that into account. So I kind of want to move into like just originals that aren't commissioned okay. a little bit because what we're talking about overlaps that quite a bit. You also have to think about the art market you're selling to right? Like for instance, if you do fan art of Looney Tunes, the people that are buying that are not going to spend $5,000 probably for a painting of Bugs Bunny. And so whereas if you're doing like a fine art painting, abstract, they are selling to art collectors and people that want to spend a lot of money, they want to buy something that's going to increase in value. And so what type of work you do and who that's marketed to, your pricing has to reflect that. Totally. So you have to kind of think that. Art is weird too. A lot of things you buy and they decrease in value after you buy them and they just continue to decrease in value like a computer or a car but in general art's the opposite right we'll usually increase in value if the artist is still producing work and is building clout <laughs> right they don't have to be still producing work if they die then the art can really increase right. in value but you're right as long as the artist's reputation is going up not all art increases in value but it definitely yeah. can and most art doesn't decrease in value at least will hold its value and so when you're pricing your work someone once told me to price your work as high as you could before it made you laugh and like no way like no no one would ever buy that for that that's interesting i thought that was interesting too i think it has some faults in that but it does prevent you from undercutting yourself i think and it could sometimes be an interesting place to start to see if you do make sales at that price but one thing to also think about is you can have your originals set at the price you're thinking about so let's say you had an original for a thousand dollars and it just right. wasn't selling but everyone was really loving the image and you got a lot of traction around that but it still wasn't selling it might be a good idea for you to think about prints so think about a limited run of prints of that image think about licensing that image for advertisement or books or what have you you could then now have that piece at an affordable price point for the general audience but still have some value to that print because it's signed and numbered and there's only going to be 250 prints made of that piece right and then so like if you're at a gallery or selling at a craft fair or something like that you have the option of buying the $50 print or the $1,000 original piece original right so having price points for everyone and so sometimes the prints end up selling the original or the original sells more of the prints it's an interesting psychological game too yeah i've never heard the price it to the point right before you would laugh at the price it's interesting thought it's kind of trial and error with pricing too like if you're just not selling anything at the price you set it at then that's obviously not the right price right whereas if you're just selling art like hotcakes then you're probably underpriced 
it's a good problem to have if you're selling a lot of art. And over time, you start to find where your range is and what things are going for. And then once you've dialed that in, it becomes a lot easier to start setting prices for things. And it ends up being closer to a per inch thing, just naturally. And from there, you then can slowly grow with time and see the growth of value. Some of the things you can't do. So I was thinking your pricing has to make sense to people. So you can't, okay, I really like this piece that I did. So I'm going to put this piece for twice as much as all the other pieces that are the same size mm -hmm. as this. You can't do things like that. People don't care that you really There's like no it. There's no sentimental value that actually equates to money. That's like one of the things that you really don't want to do. One more thing about the sentimental thing. Now that I think about it, I kind of take it back a little bit. If this is a piece that you actually don't want to sell, they don't then sell it. don't sell it, right? But everyone does have their price. right? And so you can think of it that way too. And that puts you on higher ground if someone's actually that loaded and willing to pay the price to get that off your hands. Then you do have some leverage there but if it's actually something you don't want to sell actually think about just not selling it yeah and i think that that's okay to do once in a while if you have a piece that you just love and you don't want to sell it but if you're pricing all your work based on how much you like it like oh, this piece didn't come out as good so this one's cheap and all your prices are just all over the place and the only thing it's based on is your opinion of the piece then people aren't gonna like that it doesn't make sense it ruins the value of all of your work no matter how good it is if people find out that the way you price nobody wants any of your lower price pieces because they know you don't even like them. Another thing is if you're selling in galleries, Selling in galleries is tough because they usually take about half of the money. Yeah, 40 to 60%, depending. Yeah, and so 50% is kind of the average. And it could be like a tendency to just say, well, I'll double my price. That way, if they sell it, I still make the same amount of money. But you can't do that if you're still selling work in other places. So for instance, let's say I have 50 pieces for sale and then I get a gallery show and they want 25 pieces to fill their space. And I'm going to hold on to the other 25 and sell those on online. I'll continue selling online. If I double the prices for the gallery ones and then just keep the stuff online for the price I've been selling them for, the gallery is going to be so mad because a lot of people will come in, see the work, and if they look up online, the artist, and see, oh, I can get this person's work for half the price if I just buy it straight from their website, the gallery is not going to sell and they're going to be mad at you for undercutting them. Like you're supposed to work with the gallery. So if you are going to just decide I'm going to double my price, which I don't recommend doing that, I recommend maybe adding like 20 to 30% and just realizing you're not going to make as much money on a gallery. But if you are going to up your prices to put in the gallery, you really should up the prices on all the stuff that's for sale online too, so that it makes sense. And so people aren't more likely to buy from you. Or just don't compete with the pieces that are up there that are in the gallery that's true right? too. until the show's down. Until the show's down, except this is what I've heard other artists say. And I think this is smart. Artists will keep their work up for sale online and someone contacts them and says, I want to buy a piece from your website and uh, this is the piece I want, they'll say, how did you find my work? And if they say I just was online and found it, then they just sell it to them and that's the end of it. But if the person says, I found your work because I saw it in a gallery, then they sell the piece to that person, but they actually give 50% or whatever the percent is to the gallery because that person would have never even found your work if it wasn't for that gallery. And then staying honest, keeping your rapport with the gallery. Right. That's so important. Reputation's yes. everything. You can't buy reputation. That has the most value, I think, in business these days. Because think about that. If a person contacts you because they found your work through a gallery and then you sell the work and then you tell the gallery, hey, I sold a piece because the person saw my work in your gallery. Here's a check for half. They're going to value the relationship they have with 
with you so much more. Now they're going to know how honest you are versus let's say you don't do that. And the person found your work in the gallery. They bought your work online from you directly. And then you never give a penny to that gallery. And then that person goes into the gallery like a couple weeks later and tells them, oh yeah, I ended up buying a piece from the guy's website because I saw them in your gallery. The gallery owner is probably going to be pretty annoyed. And you might have burned a bridge. You definitely burned a bridge in that case. So you have to think if the person is finding your work because of the gallery, then you really should pay it forward to that gallery when you sell. And so gallery pricing is definitely different if you're just selling your work straight to customers through a website and you don't have any of your work in galleries. You don't have to think about that stuff. But if you have a relationship with a gallery, you have to think of those things. The way I think about it too is what if you rented that gallery out and you had all those overhead expenses to show your work in a room at this location? You could even be paying more than that. And so it's a deal and a privilege to even be in a gallery. That's so true. Do you know how many artists would kill to get into a gallery, especially to have their own solo show for a month or whatever? So eat the costs, respect the process. But, you know, you have to also keep in mind how much you're giving up and if it's going to be worth it to you or not. Definitely you can up your prices once you start showing in galleries, though, just because it kind of validates what you're doing. The fact that galleries are willing to show your work. Yeah. So you do want to keep that in mind, too. The more gallery shows you do, the probably the more you can up your prices and think about that. And so, again, your location or how you're selling it, where you're selling, who you're selling it to does affect price. So if I'm at a craft fair, like a holiday sale type of a deal, yeah. you got to imagine the type of person that's coming into that. A lot of these people are there to support local artisans, crafters, painters, jewelers. They've never heard of you. But they never heard of you, but they're also looking for a deal. And so you have to also price to that a little bit. Think of your costs to be there, of course. But since they're buying direct, you're saving on some things like a 50% commission to a gallery and you're skipping some shipping costs and stuff like that. And that might be a good time to give your fans and customer base a little bit of a deal. For sure. So think about that too when you're pricing. So this is another huge aspect. Well, it's just something you want to take into account in pricing is how big of a portion of your income is selling original work. So for instance, I make most of my money through selling prints and books. With originals, if I didn't sell an original all year, I could probably still make a living. Selling originals isn't as crucial to my overall income. So I can set my prices higher because I don't need to sell as many. Whereas if you need to sell originals, if it's a huge part of your business, then you might have to set your prices at a point where you know they're going to sell. So it really depends on how much you need to sell the work, how many you need to sell. You have to think about that. You know, what percentage of your income comes from selling originals, selling commissions? How much do you rely on those things? And you got to be careful of that too, because then you're setting a precedent and you're valuing your work at a certain amount and you don't want to undervalue yourself. You're the only one that's really putting value on you. And then the market decides if that value stands true. Ultimately, the market does decide the value, but you're the one that sets the bar as a test to see if it will work or not. Right. And there's some responsibility you have to also think about. It's not just you that you're pricing. You could be pricing out an entire industry. You could be really ruining industry standards for other illustrators and artists. That's so true. If you don't price correctly. And that's partly why prices for things haven't risen in 30 years. It's partly self-induced by our entire community because of people underballing. I think Fiverr, Fiverr Fiverr.com giving a worser product for a cheaper cost. So just be careful about that stuff. There's a social responsibility to your colleagues, really. Yeah, because if a bunch of artists come in and start selling their work for a really cheap amount, it makes other artists 
businesses have to cut their prices to even survive, right? Right. And then you're busting your tail off to survive too in order to even make enough money to live. So, yeah. yeah. And don't be afraid, like we've talked about this. If you can sell prints for a cheaper price, then now you've got something in everyone's price range. So don't be afraid to charge a lot for your originals and don't think like, oh, well, I want them to be affordable to everyone. Original art really shouldn't be affordable to everyone. Right. People that are not as well off can buy prints and still hang them on their wall and still beautify their houses and apartments. And there's nothing wrong with that. So it's not an original, but it's still something that they have that's from the artist and their house looks nicer because of it. Original art is one of a kind. That should be taken into account when you price things. Yeah, I totally agree with pricing tiers. I think that's super helpful. Have the really high ticket item that you might sell one or two of a year, but that's a great sale. And then have some middle price and lower price items. So maybe there's smaller pieces that you sell more often. Maybe that middle tier is your print tier. And so you could have your high tier, your print tier, and then maybe even a low tier where it's like stickers. And what's great about having it, even if it was just a three tier system, you're seeing the value of the original. You're seeing how much the littlest thing costs, the lowest tier costs. And just psychologically, you're like, okay, that makes the middle thing a naturally good deal. It's kind of like going to the movie theater when you see a small popcorn for five bucks, a large popcorn for 10 Mm -hmm. bucks. But the medium-sized popcorn, which they never sell, is like $9. So it's like, well, why wouldn't I just get the $10 large popcorn? It's only a dollar more. Right. You know, so you right. play these, I hate to call them games, but they are games to make the right. higher sale or to make a sale, period. Yeah, those are strategical things you can do for sure. There's all sorts of things. Also, how busy you are, that comes into play with your pricing too, right? So if you've got 10 commissions going on right now and you're kind of on a wait list, then you're pricing should go up and reflect that. If they have a super rush and it's going to be a rush project, this project now needs to go to the top of your list. That's going to be like an additional 100% fee. So it's going to cost twice as much for that rush fee because I've had to push everything else back to get you to the front of the line. Or you wait like everyone else and have the lower price, but I'm going to have to get to it down the road. We're in like a spot right now with the economy where it's tanking because of the whole coronavirus and so many people out of work and and so that means that there's going to be a lot of artists out there that are desperate for work. Let's be real. And so this is actually probably a great time to buy art or to buy commissioned art because you could probably get a pretty good deal. I'd say so, yeah. If you reached out to an artist right now, they are in need of money and income. Their price would be a little bit better than what it normally is. Or you'd get more for your dollar where if you came to them with a budget, that's always a really great thing I suggest or great way to get work. I usually tell students to make sure you you ask for a budget closer to the beginning of the process so you get an idea of yep. where everyone's at and if you could even do what they want at their price range and how to negotiate terms there. Oh yeah, if you can get the client to throw out the first amount, then you definitely should. If you can say what's your budget and they're willing to tell you that because it might be way more than you thought. Yeah, totally. If you give the first price and you're half of their budget, you'll never know that you gave up way more money than you could have gotten. And you're right? not leaving money on the table. Yeah. And so then if you're in a position where you have to throw out the first number, a lot of times you have to overestimate because it's much easier to come down than it is to go up in your quotes. Yeah, going up is never fun. I'm not saying it's not doable. Sometimes you just don't have enough information and then it's like, oh, well, if you wanted full ownership of the image, it's going to cost twice as much or whatever because you're taking away my future sales of being able to sell prints and that's a big chunk of my income after the project. So that's why your price is as low as it is because I'm just 
depending on this work on the back end. And that's a great point that we didn't even really talk about, the fact that you have to take into account how much ownership they're going to have of it. For instance, when I did the Tyler piece, I know that I can sell prints on my Etsy shop. That's one of my biggest sources of income. And so when I was negotiating with Sony for the price of how much that was going to cost, I basically said, if you are willing to let me keep the rights to sell prints, you know, I'll charge less money. So if they wanted all the rights for it and I wasn't going to be able to sell prints of that piece, then I would have wanted a lot more money. But the fact that I knew that I could sell a good amount of prints of it meant I'm willing to take less money because I know I'll be able to make it anyway myself. So you have to think about that type of stuff too. If you know you can make more money with that piece in whatever way, then it might be worth getting a little bit less money if you can hold on to the rights to it. So that's huge. I think we covered most of the stuff I wanted to cover, having different tiers for different price points and all the different things you want to take into account when pricing. Did you have anything else? I just know there's so much more and we could probably keep talking about it, but I'd rather field questions from here on. So if you have questions, please drop us a line at thumbnailpodcast at gmail.com or to either of us on our Instagram channels um, at Fort House or at Lewis Rosignol. We'd be happy to answer questions and even come out with an additional podcast around those. Yes, that's true. If we get a lot, we can do a whole podcast. If we just get a couple, we can maybe just address them at the beginning of an episode. Definitely send us your questions. We love to hear from you guys. You want to tell everyone about our deals that we're having right now on Etsy? Yeah, so the ongoing Etsy deal is for podcast listeners and it's just using the coupon code THUMBNAIL at checkout. Gives 25% off your entire purchase at either of our Etsy shops. So prints, books, whatever you're buying. What else do you sell at your Etsy shop? Because I sell prints and books mainly in shirts. I do prints and cards. I will be opening it up to some merchandise like shirts and stuff soon hopefully a good selection there might be some things that come up on the store in the future that i won't be able to include with the deal but most of the store is 25 percent off cool and if that comes up we can talk we can let the people know which what's not included or whatever it'll work for almost everything in either of our shops anyway and yeah have a great day guys thanks for joining take care